Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's up, buds? Japers Inc. Radio. I'm your host, Greg Young, and today, welcoming on to Japers Inc. Radio for, I believe, the 11th time is uh, Washington Post beat writer Samantha Powell. So, uh, Samantha, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. What about you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's, uh, you know, it's, I guess the, it's autumn, you know, it's the time, kind of time to start ramping up into hockey season. You know, we're, we're the classic, I think, what, like three, four weeks into football. So, you know, I think it's, I think, I think I'm, I think I'm ready to kind of get, get things started. How about you? No, for sure. I feel like the off season was super long when I was mid off season. And now I feel like I haven't seen hockey in a while. And these preseason games definitely do not count. No. No. Oh God, no, they do not count. No, I, I think I sent something saying, uh, really, I mean, like watching the lineup decisions, I think is one thing, you know, cause you can, I think maybe get a quick glance into, you know, how a Peter LaViolette might see these battles at least shaking out, but the actual hockey itself really like, you just, you can't rely on it because like, I mean, some of these, you don't know if you're going to be playing a team with like a mostly full roster or like an AHL roster. You just have no idea. 100%. It's just a total, total toss up. And some things even defensively structure, you think that you know, or you can see, oh, the Caps are doing well on defense. But then again, you look at their opponent, you look at who they match exactly. up with. So it's all just kind of a wash. And uh, really, it's the last couple of games of preseason that really can kind of see where things stand. Exactly, exactly. So I think with the podcast today, I'm going to, we're going to start broad, then we're going to tighten the focus to camp. And then after break, we're going to talk a general preview. So I think uh, to, to start, I think I, I want to kind of ask where we think the caps are right now, just as like a roster, because it seems like, you know, uh, you know, you've been on the beat four years now, you know, they, they, I think it's safe to say, you know, maybe there'd been a slight erosion in things and I was fully ready to start the season saying, oh, they're probably just on the bubble again, you know, yada, yada. Last year they were the eighth seed. But now, I mean, I, I think they had basically a perfect offseason. And, I, you know, I think I'm kind of struggling with exactly where to say that their roster is right now. Like, is this a team that, you know, you expect to kind of gradually slope down? Do you do we think that they kind of like 
maybe gave themselves a little bit of a rebirth here. Like, I, I, how do you think about that question? And kind of where do you see the caps in terms of their, I'm not going to use the word window because I hate that <laughs> word, but you know, but kind of like their overall kind of roster, like kind of not composition, kind of where they're at trajectory wise, kind of how, how do you think about that question right now? Yeah, I feel like if you were to ask me this question at the end of the season last year, I would say they're going downhill. There's no chance they kind of can come back and save themselves for the coming seasons, even with Alex Ovechkin and all these guys still on the roster. But I agree with you that their offseason was near perfect. I mean, obviously rehauling the goalie situation was number one. I think obviously great job with Kemper coming in. I really like Lindgren. I obviously haven't seen him a lot. No one's really seen him a lot um, at the NHL and just that experience. But I think, for the type of player and the guy that we have seen in, in the preseason. I do like him. I like his game. And so I think that was number one in terms yeah. of the boards. Like I think Dylan Strom, Connor Brown, what smart pickups by Brian yes. McClellan, uh, especially Connor Brown. If he can play on that top line with Alex Ovechkin and, and getting his nets off while Tom Wilson is out, that's perfect. You think about it when they are maybe knock on wood, fully healthy Connor Brown as a third line option is oh, yeah. great um oh absolutely any, any team would take that in their lineup and yes. then Dylan Strom I mean I think he's flat out won the second center role in yeah. camp I, I think maybe into it a lot of us had questions of oh is he really you know gonna be that number two center guy can Connor McMichael kind of squeeze through and I think everything that we've seen I've seen Dylan Strom is a second line center who can play wing but yeah. I think center is where he should be at least to start the year no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's kind of it's interesting because you can kind of see, you know, the the ideas behind having both of them in the in the, uh, you know, on the roster. And I'm going to ask about the two players that it would seem like they would slot in to replace to kind of continue the, you know, off season into this year theme. So I think I'm going to start with the simpler one. Uh, Tom Wilson, like what, what where do we think he is like? I had I had seen stuff saying maybe he's back in early December. I had seen stuff saying maybe he's not back till February. It seemed like I mean, where 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 do we think he's at right now? Yeah, so with Tom, I think Tom Wilson is interesting with an ACL. I mean, he is a person that takes great care of his body and such care that he said that he was ahead of schedule. Honestly, uh, when he, we talked to him, I believe about a month ago before the season but really you can never be ahead of schedule when it comes to an ACL surgery. I was gonna say I was always a little um, curious about what that exactly meant. Yeah know? so I, I think he said physically he feels like he's ahead of schedule like he's doing more exercises and workouts sure. and things that maybe you shouldn't be doing at this point in time but realistically uh, especially after an ACL surgery you might feel better but your actual body the muscles aren't going to be healing quicker than usual no uh, exactly and, and I mean it's not like he's skating or is he skating exactly. he wouldn't be right you know so no. yeah he's not skating yet and basically the timeline at the earliest would be early December okay but I think also it's as much as probably the Capitals would hate to think this way it's going to depend on how the Caps do between now and December yeah. if they're clear ahead in a way good in a playoff spot they don't need to rush a Tom Wilson back now if it's the opposite and they're really struggling and nothing's really working and maybe Tom's almost ready or he's pretty much ready but could need a couple more weeks do they try to sneak him in early yeah. that's the kind of big question mark and I think that's where we're going to see kind of see Washington figure out exactly what they want to do but I think at the end of the day Tom Wilson is 
one of the cornerstones of this team for the future. And you don't want to mess up, you know, what you have for the future on an immediate right now. Exactly. For like an extra, what, two, three weeks of play in which you might not even be 100% anyways, right? Exactly. So, yeah. Um, okay. And then the kind of enigma question, obviously, is Nicholas Backstrom. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I think it's, Obviously, you you hear hip resurfacing uh, once you first kind of get a gruesome you know wince out, which is at least how I how, when I've heard that injury, that's that was kind of my reaction. And you know, you hear the the track record of people coming back from that is basically very very limited. Uh, that said, you know, it seems like there's maybe a little bit of optimism. So, what do we know about Nicholas Backstrom? And more importantly, kind of how do you think the team thinks about Backstrom and like you know the kind of roster dilemma that he that he represents? Because not only you know is Backstrom obviously a key player, but he also makes over nine million on the cap. Right. And so, you know, when he comes back or if he comes back is a key question, not just for the play he brings, but kind of the downstream effects on the lineup. So how do the Caps kind of think about this and what how do how do you think that they see Backstrom and, you know, whether he's like how, how what his status really is at this point? Yeah, I actually think the Backstrom scenario is a pretty big predicament for the Capitals, I think. Obviously, I mean, no one is going to wish Nick ill. Like everyone wants to see him get back on the ice and get of better. Course. But um, I think teammates wise, they all think that he's in really good high spirits. I mean, just life in general, he can play with his kids again. He can do all these things that he hasn't yes. been able to do for years. So I think that's great for Nick. And I know he really wants to try to get back out on the ice. He wants to be able to skate again. He wants to get back to full form. But in terms of the cap space and the capitals and their roster composition and where they're at, it's going to be really tough if Nicholas Backstrom comes back into this lineup and you still have Tom Wilson back in the lineup. And now you're kind of struggling with cap space and roster spots. And where do you fit everyone? Yeah. Nicholas Backstrom ever going to really be a hundred percent or is Washington okay with a 75 to 80% Nick Backstrom? I think all those questions are still very much up in the air. I think everyone's optimistic that Nick can get back, be a hundred percent look like the player that he was. But I do think Brian McClellan on media day, when he was talking about Nick, I think he was more realistic, honestly, yeah. than everyone else. Um, I think Nick was very happy, teammates happy. Again, Laviolette very happy. But I think Brian McClellan said something along the lines of, this is a long recovery. Like, this isn't a, it's great that Nick can walk and is smiling and happy. Like, this is going to take a lot of time, a lot of work, a lot of effort. And they still don't know how it all fits in. So I think Mac understands that this is going to be a process. And maybe when that time comes for Backstrom saying, look, I'm ready, I can play. And I think everyone's going to have to get involved and really come together and say what's best for you, first of all. Yes. But also, are we putting you in the best position to succeed with our current team? No, absolutely. And I mean, it's I, I feel like it's hard even to say a timeline, right? <laughs> because, no, it, yeah. you know, it's like, I mean, it's, it, obviously he's, you know, you would pr- I, I think it's probably safe to write off like this like calendar year. Right. You know, you wouldn't say he's probably back until at least January, but I like past that. I mean, I guess, do, do we have any idea <laughs> of any kind of anything in regards to if he does decide to come back when that could at the soonest possibly be? We have no timeline, which is a yeah. horrible answer from me, but we <laughs> have absolutely zero timeline. And I think it's because this surgery is 
quite hard to get back from. It's, I mean, you can yeah. walk again. Obviously, everyone's seen him walking around. Like, he can live everyday life. But the act of doing hockey things on the ice and getting his strength and conditioning back, that's a lot of work. So we really have no timeline. I would assume that the Capitals' ideal timeline has to be around the trade deadline. And yeah. Because, you know, you need to know what to do, right? Sure. Is Baxham going to be able to come back or do you go out and get another guy? Yeah. So I think for them, that might be their imaginary, hey, let's kind of figure things out or at least give me a hint about where yeah. you're going. <laughs> and if he uh, happens to be yeah. back exactly for the start of the playoffs, yeah. it would be pretty good timing. Yeah, right? maybe it's, <laughs> so. yeah, maybe it's uh, game one of the playoffs we see Nicholas Backstrom. So yeah. honestly, wish I had a better answer. But for now, it, it just seems like he's happy that he can walk without pain again. And it's going to take it from there. There you go. Well, I guess that's I guess that's a hope for all of us. Um, all right. So let's I guess kind of I'm going to hone in a little bit to camp and kind of where we're at. And I think a Backstrom related question is kind of center depth after Evgeny. Or I guess I would say center depth between Evgeny Kuznetsov and uh, and Hathaway Dowd. Right. You know, you would say those are kind of like the 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 anchors on the top and the bottom. So I used to, you earlier said it seems like Dylan Strom has won the 2C. It seems like that's kind of where we're at now. So, I mean, is it as simple as Strom and Eller are 2C, 3C at this point? Do we think there's any other players they could get consideration for it? Kind of how do you think about the center position right now and how the depth is going to shake out? Yeah, to me, I see the four seasons. Kuznetsov, Strom, Eller, Dowd, and that's how they're going to start the year. And I would not put it past Peter. I would not put it past management if that changes a week or two into the season and we see this completely kind of blow up and go a different direction. But I think that's the starting point. Uh, I am a big believer, as I believe John Walton is as well, in Alexi Protus. And what he can kind of bring to this yeah, lineup. He's had himself a hell of a camp, hasn't he? He's had a great camp. I think he's head and shoulders, I mean, both physically, but also just this play on the ice better than any of the prospects that we've seen yeah. on the ice. I think he's outplayed Connor McMichael, in my opinion. Um, but then again, I think Connor McMichael might not be a camp guy. I don't think he had a great training camp last year, if I remember, and he was fine in season. So it just might be one of those things that he's maybe not a great preseason training camp guy. And, you know, he's just solid in the regular season. But I think that's their biggest predicament this season is what to do with Connor McMichael and now what to do with Alexi Protus. Because I do believe that Protus has played himself into a spot and I just don't know where they're going to put him. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's one of those where – I mean, you you might say it's almost a good problem to have, right? You know, Protus maybe trying to force himself into into things. Um, you know, so I, I guess I have a kind of question here that I'm going to call young player corner, and so we'll, we'll we'll dive in here a little bit. So you, you talk a little bit about Connor McMichael, and I mean, I think. As I said earlier, I don't actually trust the actual games in preseason, but I do think the lineups are kind of an interesting barometer into exactly how a coach at least sees the potential roles that a player could have. And if you view it from that frame, I mean, Connor McMichael, I think, has played on like the, the all the second, third, and fourth line in different games, yeah. right? You know, and it doesn't seem like the team is totally thrilled with the camp that he's had. You know, I mean, he you come in saying, "Oh, if he has a great camp, he's he's in, no question," right? Yeah. But 
I, I, I think it's interesting that, you know, it doesn't seem like the team is 100% on him yet, right? So I, wh- how do you see McMichael, where he kind of fits in? You know, I mean, do you, do you, I guess two parts to this. One, do you think he makes the opening night roster? And two, if he does, where does he go on it? I think if you were to ask me before the preseason, like everyone else, I thought McMichael had a spot on this roster. Yeah. And I thought that they probably put him at center and they moved Dylan Strom to wing because like McMichael at center by far and away, McMichael has said that he wants to play center. He seems like he's better there, you know, better at center. He's more confident. I think you can see it when he's on the ice. He thinks less. Yeah. It it, it, it comes more naturally to him and having a vet like Dylan Strom, like he can play both. He's going to be fine. So that's what I thought coming into camp. And now I do feel like while it shouldn't be McMichael or Protus, I think that might be the decision uh, yeah. at the end of the day because Protus, kind of like you said about McMichael playing the second, third, fourth line, Protus has done the same thing. And yeah. he's played left winger, right winger, and center. So when you think about versatility in your lineup and you can place them anywhere, any night, I think that's the kind of confidence that Washington needs and that's the kind of confidence I think Peter Laviolette strives for. I think his biggest thing is trust, right? It's yeah. Trust this player in this scenario and in this scenario. And if I can't, I'm not going to play him. Like that's, it's pretty simple. I think in his eyes. Yeah. Well, um, it's, all, and it's almost like a two way street though. Right. Because I mean, like it doesn't, I think it's, it seems to be weird both on McMichael's standpoint and the, and Laviolette's standpoint, right. In terms of it's tough to ask a young player to have a ton of consistency yeah. when you're constantly putting him up and down in different parts of the lineup. But I mean, at the same time, you ask Laviolette who probably anything he has said, look, you know, what do you want me to do? Right. Like if the kid's yeah. not playing super well, I'm going to try different things with him. So it, it's almost, yeah. it seems like a tricky situation there. Yeah. It's also like an experiment type. And I think yeah. Protus coming in here, and he has played well in all these different scenarios yes. is also yes, like an intriguing thought, right? So it's yeah. like not comparing the two, but you have this young guy who can play all these different things and can do everything that you've ever asked him up to this point. Yeah. So what, like what's to say that he can't do it in a real NHL game? Yeah. Uh, so I think the Capitals, I don't know what they're going to do. I have no clue what their, what their opening night roster is. I don't know be. if they fully know what they're going to do. I, I don't think so either. But I think it was very interesting how Protus has played in every single yeah. season game so far. They tested him on a back-to-back. They've tried him on all these different positions. He was on the PK. I mean, they're yeah. really trying to get every single look at him. So I think his play is going to affect McMichael, yeah. going back to your original question. I think. Oh, no, for sure. McMichael obviously has the talent. He can see it. I mean, I think everyone can see it. It's just, can he do it at a consistent level? And is Laviolette and the coaching staff maybe going to give him that shot consistently in one spot? Because I don't, I do not think that McMichael can hop around and move around the lineup and be successful. No, agreed, agreed, agreed. Um, I, but I guess, I mean, let's, let's focus on Protus a little bit, right? Because I mean, he, uh, you look at it last year, he kind of came, I, you know, he was, you, you wouldn't say he was like their first choice necessarily when they had all of the injuries and COVID issues last, you know, kind of de- November, December, when he got his look at the lineup a little bit. But I mean, he played really, I think, pretty well, you know, given the lack of NHL experience. But you, you always said the issue with him would seem to be he isn't exactly the smoothest skater, you know, <laughs> just like the way he moves yeah. on the ice is interesting. Uh, I would say that. 
but I mean, it, it seems like he's, it seems like he definitely worked on it in the off season. You know, I, I'm sure that was the team's number one thing was him with skating. Right. So it seems like he's really turned a corner and really made it, made it an interesting decision for what the Caps want to do with him just long-term. Yeah. I think he's by far and away a way better skater than he was originally yes. when we first saw him, I believe at training camp or dev camp, like the first year that he came, I think he was taking like very awkward strides and he didn't really seem it was almost he was like too big for his own body in exactly. a way, like you know exactly and so since you know since he was drafted he's actually gained 35 pounds and okay. he's built he like he looks bigger like he's more fit into his body and i think he said now that he feels like he stopped growing and it's kind of allowed him to be able to figure out exactly his natural stride and to now work kind of on solely his skating so for the last two off seasons, he's actually went back to his hometown in Belarus and he skated with the same coach who um, helped coach the KHL team. So yeah. we've worked a lot on, you know, getting pucks in corners and how to get strides out of that and how, you know, he's never going to skate like Evgeny Kuznetsov, no. but <laughs> he can skate good enough that he can use his body and his skill to get to pucks quicker. And he's even said this preseason that, he feels like he's a step closer to every puck offensively yeah. and defensively. I mean, he says he feels it. Laviolette can see it. And at the end of the day, that's really all he needs. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I guess then to conclude what I'm going to call a young player corner, um, it seems like there's the uh, kind of, I guess you would say maybe a slight battle for, you know, what the, who the, I guess, fourth line left or right wing is going to be, you know, I'm mm -hmm. kind of rolling my eyes that this is what I'm going to ask, but here we are. <laughs> uh, I guess when you have a roster like the Capitals that has basically been the same for, you know, like the last 10 years or whatever, you look for things really? to talk about a little bit, <laughs> but, uh, but I guess like, uh, let me ask you this. I mean, I guess it's interesting that Snively and AG Affer are still, or Axel Janssen Fialbi, one of my favorite names to say, or that they're still around and in camp, you know, that, but I guess I'm kind of curious. And then there's Borgstrom, obviously, I guess I'm kind of curious, like, how do you see, do you, I mean, do you, do you have a favorite and uh, please answer this quickly because I, we don't need to talk about this super long. <laughs> yeah. I, so I actually have like a kind of hot take on this. Oh, all right. Bring it on. Um, I love, I love my fourth forward hot take or fourth line hot takes. Let's my do fourth it. Line hot take, which I've actually, <laughs> Talk to Tom Gletty about. So shout okay. out to Tom. But he brought up the notion about what about Protus on the fourth line? Oh. Dowd and Hathaway. Yeah. And I was very intrigued by this because then you can put a Shiri and a Marcus further up in the lineup. Yes. And you can still, I mean, that fourth line actually plays a lot. And as much as I'm also rolling my eyes at this, they're actually probably like the second line on this team in terms of their jobs and what they and do. And also how Laviolette trusts them because he clearly exactly. trusts them a lot. Exactly. And when you think about a line, I'm like, okay, Protus and Hathaway down in the middle. That's a pretty solid line. Yeah. In terms Certainly of big. <laughs> big line. And, but if that doesn't work and they decide Protus is not it. And I think it has to be a Connor Sherry for kind of the yeah. same reason. Sherry's just, he can play anywhere. He's fast. He gets to pucks. I think putting Marcus on that line is a mistake. I I just don't feel like he would maybe would have that opportunity yeah. with that. Like I think he could I don't even know if they know what to do with, with Mojo either, actually. Yeah. That's another kind of interesting little question is like I mean you, they resigned him in the offseason, I guess there was a one by one, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. 
you figure, all right, like if they stash him as like a 13th forward, it's not that big of a deal. But I mean, at the same time, it's weird to say, you know, given kind of how important Mojo was on the Capitals 10 plus years ago, right? So that's almost another interesting little wrinkle to this of I, I really don't know where he would go either. That's my biggest thing. I think I have no clue where he goes for sure. If Protus makes it and McMichael makes this team, like yeah. they can have everyone up and maybe it's a rotating 13th forward situation, which sure. isn't good for anyone. But I do think, I mean, I talked to Garnet Hathaway the other day and he said they're him and Nick Dowd, their biggest thing they learned from Carl Haglund was how to play fast. And yeah. they love that style of playing fast. And immediately I was like, Oh, that's gotta be a Connor Sherry. Yeah. Like that has to be what you want on that line. Um, so yeah, I, I really don't know what they're going to do. And I think Marcus is the Marcus is a big question mark. Protus is a big question mark. And McMichael, once you figure yeah. out those, <laughs> you can figure out your roster, but I'm not in charge of that. So. No, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's, let's take a little bit of a break from the forwards. Uh, I guess I'm going to ask a relatively straightforward question. Uh, it seems like Gustafson is the, is the 60 correct at this point? I believe yes. I think everything points to that unless something happens, but it feels like, you know, Kevin McCarthy even told me the other day, it sounds like they were leaning to a vet. I mean, he's like, at the end of the day, the season is the season. Like you can do whatever you want in the preseason, but we want to win games. So we probably want a guy with NHL experience. And while they like Lucas and what he's done and they think he's progressing, I think, you know, it's probably not the best idea to have him at six for now. Yeah, I mean, plus injuries are going to happen. Lucas, it seems like, although it is interesting, I mean, because Lucas Johansson at this point, I think maybe before the start of camp, you would have said, oh, is he, you don't want to say bust or anything, because he's still pretty young, but at the same time, you know, hasn't really had a ton of NHL games yet. So, you know, I I guess, I don't know, it seems like he's still around, though. So I guess that's maybe a good sign. Do you think that that's at, at all with how he's played? Or do you think it's more of a, all right, like, you know, he's already in his like, you know, closer to mid twenties than early twenties at this point, you know, like we kind of have to give him at least a shot or do you think he's earned the right to still be there based on his play? I think, I think it's a combination of kind of the experience respect level, right? Yeah. Like the pride almost of the caps being like, we got you in 2016 and we still believe in you and we still want to see how you do. And probably there's also a little bit of, you know, why exactly have we been waiting like yeah it's so interesting because I think he does have the potential and he can show it it just hasn't all come together for him at the right time so I do think he's kind of sitting there I mean I think he's right with Matt Irwin as you know the 7d it just depends on do you want him to be up with your guys or do you want another full year in the AHL and I would assume that they want him to play in the AHL yeah, one would think, right? Because, I mean, Matt Irwin is in his 30s and seems perfectly fit for that 7D position. So, And he yeah. actually played pretty well in it last year. So, you know, exactly. it seems like that would make more sense. Um, all right, so let's kind of conclude our camp overview with uh, the goaltending, uh, which I am excited to talk about for the first time in a very long time. <laughs> um, so uh, I guess how, how are the guys looking in camp? You know, I'm really curious. You know, it's... Uh, obviously, you know, you get someone like Darcy Kemper and, you know, you figure like that's obviously your number one goalie. They're paying him a number one goalie salary. I mean, has he, how has he looked in camp? You know, and I'm, I'm also curious, you know, how Lindgren has looked too, because it seems like I, it was interesting to me how early the cap sent Bukali down. 
because, you know, if if I think Lindgren hadn't been exactly what they had hoped, you would have maybe seen maybe not a competition for the backup goalie, but, you know, like at least maybe keeping Vukali around a little more. But it seems like they're pretty confident in the two at this point, no? Yeah, they're definitely confident in him. I think McClellan said, I think it was media. He was like, listen, he still probably has to prove it to you know, us, to a lot of people, he hasn't had a lot of, you know, sample size in the NHL, obviously, but everything that the Caps have seen in camp, I mean, I believe he's only allowed one goal again, it's the preseason, Mm -hmm. but I mean, just that fact alone, I mean, we've seen him in kind of scramble situations. There's been a couple flurries around the net. I personally already feel more calm when I watch (laughs) um, than Samsonov or VTech. And I will say the same thing about Darcy, there's something about both of them in net that is very calming and it's like a baseline level of professionalism yes (laughs) you know i feel bad because like vtech you wouldn't say he wasn't like unprofessional maybe a little bit more but like there's just a certain baseline level of professional competence that having you know i guess both lindgren but mainly kemper back there really seems to bring to the team yeah it, it it seems like for Darcy, we can talk about Darcy first. It's just he's been there, done that now. Yes. Like he's now the guy that you feel like probably was underrated in Arizona, like had, you know, a really good time, went to Colorado, won the cup, now is in Washington, and he almost has a breath of fresh air into yeah. the locker room. He knows what to do. He's very professional. He's very, you know, yes, I can do this, very respectful. And then I think with Lingren, he's a guy that's just kind of wide eyed, ready, ready to play hockey. Yeah. He loves his job. He wants to come out and prove himself. But with both of them on the ice, it just feels like they know where their spots are. They're not, you know, out of place. They know where to go. And it, they do it in a calm, not scrambling manner. And I think as goalies, and I think with this team especially, so much of uh, – not maybe I won't talk on behalf of them, but I would say much of our energy in the media – was discussing the goalie situation and he was going to play that night and it was always a back and forth of well this guy could get on a heater then this guy and then it was just so much controversy and now you have two guys that they know both of their roles and they know what's expected of them and there's less of not drama I mean maybe it is drama there's just less drama in that position no I mean it was exhausting you know I mean like obviously it's interesting as like a you know writer and a for me it's somewhat team adjacent person to talk about a little bit but at a certain point it's just I mean it's just, it, it felt like the same story over and over again right of oh Samsonov has the higher ceiling but you know who knows where he's gonna be on any given night you know and then Vanacek is you know probably a little bit more steady but at the same time doesn't seem to kind of have that other gear that you know some goalies have and it's I, it just got a little tiring because it felt like it was the same story over and over again and so now at least at minimum, we have a different story and probably a better story from the capital standpoint. Yeah, I, I just think overall, when you look at that position, you know what's going to happen. And yes. that's all you need to start yeah. the season is you know what your base is and you can go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, that we're going to take a quick break. And on the other side, uh, we are going to kind of talk a little bit more of a season preview mode. So with that, stay tuned. Welcome back to Japers Rank Radio. I'm still here with Samantha Powell, and Samantha is now in her 11th and a half uh, appearance on Japers Rank Radio. So, uh, all right. So with that, um, I think I want to ask kind of a slightly broader pers- question in terms of 
So Wilson, we we had said might be back, you know, who knows, but probably late December, early January seems like the best kind of time to, you know, the consensus. So I guess kind of how do the Caps view this stretch of the what I'm going to call kind of the pre-Wilson stretch? Because it's less maybe about Wilson and more kind of how it affects the lineup. Do they are they kind of a let's just get through and be in playoff contention mode? You know, do they expect like you know, is there more of a kind of, you know, we we don't know we can count on Wilson necessarily, so we need to just kind of go at it, you know, full tilt. Like, is is there is there a kind of hope that, like, the Caps just need to grit through these first couple of months and then Wilson's back? Or is it, you know, are they not really thinking about it that way? I, I feel like this is a hard question because I feel yeah. like they're always going to say that they want Tom Wilson in the lineup. Like, TJ Oshie, every single time you ask him about Tom Wilson, yeah. Wilson you can't replace 43 like you no. you physically mentally cannot replace 43 no but I do think the Capitals like their lineup right now okay. I think as we talked about kind of earlier with Connor Brown I like Connor Brown on the top line with or without Wilson yeah uh, I think it works I think it makes sense and you would hope that a guy like that coming from Ottawa and you know seasons in Toronto I mean he he was a 20 plus goal scorer I think he can do that again especially on a top line like that yeah. So I think actually, once again, you always want Tom Wilson in your lineup, but I think it's going to help a guy like Connor Brown when Wilson does come back, um, just getting that experience on the top line and then wherever else he's going to be used. I mean, he's going to be, he's going to do well. Yeah, for sure. And well. for sure, we'll feature on the Capitals penalty, penalty kill one would assume. Yeah. Um, so uh, another kind of interesting question lingering over the year is uh, the guy behind the bench, Peter Laviolette, is in a contract year. And, you know, he had he did, he's not he does not have a new contract as far as I'm aware. And I haven't really heard a ton about obviously uh, McClellan has said he thought Laviolette did a good job, but. I guess kind of, I mean, obviously it's a little bit weird and the Caps have some experience with coaches in contract years. Uh, I I mean, is there any concern that this could hang over the team? Is there any thought that he might resign at some point? You know, is there, how do the Cap, uh, you know, so I guess I'm I'm curious about that. And I'm curious also kind of, how did the Caps think Laviolette has done at his job? Yeah, I think so. The first part, I'm pretty sure McClellan definitely wants to extend Laviolette, but I don't have any indication of when that happens. I don't think it's their number one priority before the season. Like this needs, needs to happen now, but I think the consensus was that this is going to happen. It's just a matter of when. So I think they're happy with how Peter kind of did last year, especially with all the COVID and injury stuff. I think that's a very tough position for a coach to be in. And managing all that and having all these young guys come up and where do you put them and how do you plug in the holes? And now you're losing veteran players left and right. And now you have guys who aren't playing in games just because they're old um, yeah. and managing a lineup. Like that. <laughs> so yeah, it was a lot. And I mean, obviously you want to see better results in the postseason. And one can argue that the Caps should have won the first round series at multiple points. Um, and that yeah, I probably should have. So, that was <laughs> yeah. that was a frustrating series that way. So at the end of the day, like if a couple of bounces go the other way, the Caps yeah. get it together. They're in the second round. Are we still now? We aren't having the same conversation of well, you haven't made it out of the first round. Yeah, with the Capitals. So I think for what was given to him last year, I think he did well. I mean, you see the relationship with him and Evgeny Kuznetsov, and I think that alone probably earn some a new contract yeah uh, I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I think that's right I think 
like just seeing that and how Kuznetsov performed so consistently and how much he talked about that relationship and how much confidence and trust that he put in him, um, I think, you know, was great and it's good to see. And I think Peter had that relationship with a lot of players. So I think they liked it overall. And, you know, we'll see what another season brings. Obviously, there's a lot more to do in the next 82 games. Yes. But I think for now, it seems like everyone's happy and it's kind of how they do. Honestly, it's yeah. going to be about results. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to I wanted to also ask you, um, speaking of trying to keep things consistent, uh, I, I don't know, transition, I'm going to give myself a C plus. <laughs> um, so you wrote an article recently about the defensive pairs and, you know, the Capitals. I Obviously, we talked about the 6D, but, you know, their one through five is solid and we kind of know who they're going to play with and what their relative roles are. So I guess it was, it was, it was interesting because your article, I think, kind of talked about the benefits of that kind of stability while also saying, you know, there might need to be changes at some point. So I guess I kind of it seems like the Caps have really settled into at least who their top five out of the 6D are going to be. So I guess kind of kind of pitch your article a little bit and also kind of explain, you know, the benefits and maybe drawbacks if there are any of what that kind of stability can bring to the lineup on each given night yeah I think the the benefits there is yeah Kevin McCarthy the assistant coach for the Caps who is in control of the blue line he was telling me that look we go into camp every year and we always tell you guys everything's up for grabs right spots are open he's like this year no he's like we have five blocks we know who's going to play for us and he went even further and said we know the pairings He's like, we liked Faravar and Carlson. We liked Orlov and Jensen. We liked, obviously, Schultz and TVR when Schultz left. Now we just need to find someone with TVR. So mm -hmm. to them, it was very straightforward, very simple. They never really had the thought to change up the pairings. Sure. So for them, they saw it as a positive because they liked how they played. They felt like they kind of carried the team when there were so many injuries up front. And that was really the only stability they had. You think, yes. When you think about it last season with the goalies and the forwards and all that. So they feel like they wanted to start the season with that group still together and some stability. Mm -hmm. I think my point later on is, is stability really going to be the best thing as you look later on in the season of these guys being together? Like is Faravari and Carlson really the best pairing for each other? Are Orlov yeah. and really the best for each other? Um and that's hard to say with the guys that they have now, just because that's what we've seen for the last year. Uh, yeah. But could they have used maybe another splashy left defenseman that they could have gotten aside from Gustafson? Maybe. Yeah. Um, so I, that was kind of my question mark in the article. I mean, I think it's, again, a really good starting point in what they want, but maybe it isn't a bad if a young guy comes in like, they really love Alex Alexiev still, but he's still recovering yeah. from shoulder surgery. So Honestly, yeah. he was in the mix. And Kevin McCarthy made a point of we're going to need to figure out what to do with him when he gets healthy because mm -hmm. he's a great option there um, on that third pair. And we really liked him. So what happens is you just go to Hershey, they come back. I think, I believe he has to clear waivers. So that's going to be a whole thing. Yep. But yeah, I just think for now, everything is kind of status quo stable. But maybe they would have liked when we look back at the season that they shook it up just a little bit.
Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have to we'll have to keep that in mind. And uh, interesting. I actually don't think we've mentioned Alex Ovechkin on a Washington <laughs> Capitals podcast about forty minutes in. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna break that seal, and then I'll ask about Ovechkin. We'll do two kind of final wrap up questions, and then we'll then we'll be out of here. But Ovechkin is kind of at this point it's it's almost boring to talk about him on a podcast which is kind of hilarious to say but it's just because he's he's been almost so consistent at this point that it's been incredible I mean how does he look in camp you know and how do they kind of it's funny because I I think last year I said oh you know what is their plan for Alex Ovechkin are they just going to ride him do they plan to like you know rest him at all and you said they're just going to ride him and you were right and uh you know I'm I'm, but I'm kind of curious like what do we, you know, is there, I mean, how, how has he looked in camp? And do you think that there, I'm going to ask you the same question. I think you're going to give me the same answer, but is there any plan at all to, you know, think about Ovechkin's role and maybe try to make him a little, you know, more focused of a role versus playing him 20 plus minutes a night? Like, I mean, do you, what do you, what do you, how do you think the Caps think about that question, given he is a year older and you wouldn't say he wasn't quite at the same speed the second half of the year, I think. Yeah, I think. This sounds bizarre, I guess, again, but I think <laughs> Alex Ovechkin looks possibly better than he did uh, last year in training camp. How? Um, I don't, how does this work? <laughs> I don't know how, and I questioned myself ever since I like saw him the first day of camp, and I'm like, there's no way. There's no way that you've looked better than last year in scoring 50 goals, but for some reason you do. And I think it just has to be the consistency of him and his offseason workouts. And like, he looks fit. Like he looks ready yeah. to go. He looks like he's ready for another season. And once again, I would not bet against Alex Ovechkin. Like I could see him scoring, you know, his, whatever it is, 35 goals that he needs for. To be on the Gretzky or pace or whatever. Yeah. 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 To be on that pace. I could also see him scoring 50 goals again. Like I. Yeah. It's sort of bizarre to say that, but I do think that they're just going to ride him and they're going to let him do what he wants to do. And I think last year, you're right. He did probably slow down that second half of the year, but the first half with Evgeny Kuznetsov and them carrying the team, I mean, yeah, for sure. He looked amazing. He looked great. He was yeah. on a heater. It felt like every other week. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think He's something else. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy to say and even think about because he shouldn't be doing this, but he is. And yeah. obviously we haven't gotten to games yet, but I do think they're just going to ride him and they're going to probably figure it out pretty quickly in the first couple of months of where Alex Ovechkin is at. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of make a decision off of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. And then um, I guess I'm going to ask two kind of final wrap up questions to the Caps in their season. So I don't know. Is there is there a player or two that you would say going in that you're you're really curious about and you think is of particular importance to the Caps this year? Um, I can I can I can give you mine if you want, okay. and then I'll I'll let you think. So I I think for me it's two. I would say uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov obviously yeah. is very very important, and they're gonna particularly without Backstrom and with Strom kind of fitting into the two C. I think Kuznetsov is again going to be very very important. We said that last year. I think that's gonna still be true. Um, and then the other one I'm also curious about is Martin Ferravari. He mm-hmm. uh, obviously really struggled I think in the second half of the year, and so I'm interested to see kind of how I, it's they're they're have him right back up with Carlson like nothing happened which yep. might be the right move I'd be kind of curious though to see exactly how that develops 
results and whether we're at a point where a couple of months in we say, oh, forget about the last the the last half of last year or, oh, maybe that was the sign of something a little bit bigger. So th- those would be my two picks. Yeah, but I, I, I don't I don't I, you know, you're but you're the you're the you're the informed beat writer and I'm just <laughs> over here in Denmark offering my takes. So <laughs> I mean, I agree with Kuznetsov and Faravari, honestly. Um, I would say the other ones, TJ Oshi. Okay. I think, yeah. I think they need TJ Oshi. Like they honestly need his production. They need his locker room presence. They, they need, need him to stay healthy. Yeah. Exactly. And I think without TJ, we saw it at times last year. It felt like a different team, even mm-hmm. though he is not an Alex Ovechkin, right? He is not a Evgeny Kuznetsov. But I do think that piece of the puzzle for the Capitals at this point with this their roster composition, they need a TJ Oshie to at least stay in the lineup and Absolutely. compete for pucks and get the dirty goals when needed, play on the power play, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one, I mean, I think Orlov is great. Oh, I any 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 time we can get a Dmitry Orlov mention on this podcast, yes. I'm happy. So good call. <laughs> I'm a I'm a I'm a believer in Dmitry Orlov. I think for him, he's in a contract year. I think I haven't seen him play poorly per se. Like I I don't think that's going to happen this year, but I do think he's very very important for this blue line and just making sure that him and Jensen and this pairing that they're going to start with stays well and competes and can go against these top lines because that's usually been the situation with Laviolette is they throw Orlov and Jensen against mm-hmm. everyone else and they expect them to perform. So as long as they can stay consistent, uh, I think the Caps have a good chance. But yeah, for some reason, I, I think TJ Oshie is that piece that maybe he's not going to score a lot, but they're just going to need him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then um, I'm also uh, Connor Brown would be another one even that comes to mind a little bit there, just because it seems like they have a lot of different plans for what to do with Connor Brown. And I'm, I'm excited to see him. You know, he's a at minimum, I think a, a pretty high energy, high event player and someone I, I'm kind of just excited to see play hockey. Definitely. Yeah. All right. And then, so I, I guess to kind of wrap up, I'm not going to ask you to do a prediction for the capital season because and that kind of puts you in an unfair position, but I will ask, I will maybe ask it this way. Give me maybe a best case and a worst case scenario for the capitals this year. Kind of, how do you, you know, if we at the end of the year say, Oh, everything went perfectly. How does that look like? And if we say, Oh, this was maybe not what we thought the other way, how, how, what exactly do you think happened then? I think, Best case scenario, they finished third in the Metro. Okay. Uh, because I'm a believer in Carolina. And I mean, I also think the Rangers and the Islanders are right there. Okay. So I think third in the division is probably a best case. Sure. Um, I mean, I, I guess the worst case scenario is they completely miss the playoffs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> that's obviously the worst case scenario. Yeah. Um, I do think, even though this isn't really my prediction, like I think there is a situation that we see the Caps, maybe they're the wild card team. Okay. I think that could be a very safe spot for them. Just because. So, just like they were last year, of course. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Just because they started the first half of the season so well and they played so not so well in the second yes. half. <laughs> I, I can't see a situation where they played, they're going to play that well and they're number one. Uh, on January 1st and then they play so bad that they end up in the wild card for yeah uh, (laughs) and so I think that both of those things are going to level out 
and we're just going to see a team that plays well, but is probably not the top um, of, out of everyone else. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's, that's interesting. I mean, I'll, I'll quickly give my little prediction here, which is I actually think the caps are going to be second in the division. I I'm very high on what they did the off season. Uh, I, I had a podcast a couple of months ago with, uh, with Jay fresh and we kind of went over it and we're both pretty high on it. And I, you know, I don't like what the Ra- I don't think the Rangers got much better if they have younger players. Yes. You know, but we'll see. I, I do think Carolina is probably your division leader. So, so take that, take that for what you will, but I am, I am actually very high on what the caps did this off season. And I think that they are actually going to be a lot better. So we'll see. But, uh, but anyways, with that, Samantha, this has been, it's been a blast as always having you on. And uh, I think if, if, if record holds, I think, or we'll, or if, past holds i think we'll probably have you on at least three to four times kind of throughout the year so uh where can people find you in your various uh works and things yeah all my stuff is on washingtonpost.com and also on my twitter at samantha j pal and i guess as a little plug side note um i believe i'm going to be starting a food instagram this season oh wow look at you you various press box food are are you gonna eat another uh was it fried chicken donut (laughs) sandwich or something or yeah which by the way you got down pretty impressed that was that was pretty well done i gotta say i was i was impressed (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you yeah we'll see what happens but so far the plan is yeah i'm gonna go around and i mean we spend so much time on the road that i'm gonna try all these crazy arena eats on the road some local favorites but yeah, so that'll be a situation for everyone to watch out for. But yeah, everyone can find my stuff there and on my Twitter. There you go. Absolutely. And uh, if you want if you want to find me and my various musings, you can find those on uh, at Greg Y underscore JR. Uh, you can find the show at, at Japers Drink Radio. And if you liked it, please rate, write, subscribe, review. Um, just as a kind of little note here, I am actually planning on hopefully if things work out, doing this full time again you know, get being, being on every week, you know, I, I'm, I really, I think I missed it maybe a lot more than I thought. And, uh, it's been really a blast, you know, and I think I've made a lot of really good, you know, you know, just like kind of friendships and everything throughout this that I think I really miss. So, uh, I'm going to try, we're going to see how it goes, but, uh, I, I plan on hopefully, you know, bringing back to kind of where I was, you know, a, a, a year or so ago. So, uh, with that, uh, if you, you know, like I said, like the show, please rate, subscribe, review, and, uh, we will uh, we'll have someone on next week to kind of start really previewing the season. So uh, with that, stay tuned. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.